Okay, so um, this weekend, we're going to finish up the series that we've been doing over the last month called Reach, Reframing the Church. And we said this, is, this has been a really, really important series for us as, as a campus. We're just, just next weekend, I think, celebrating our two-year anniversary as a campus, which is awesome. And so we look back at these last two years and we're like, man, God has done amazing things. Like, I mean, even s- sitting here in this building this morning, um, this, this isn't where we started. We had no idea that this was going to happen um, when we planted our campus. And so two years later, we're like, wow, look at all that God has done. And yet we don't want to just stop and now coast. Now that we, the comfy chairs are always the metaphor for me. Now that we got comfy chairs, we used to sit on benches. Now that we're comfortable in here, we don't want to get comfortable. We don't want to coast. And so we're talking about the next two years and what the next two years of the life of our campus look like. And so that's what we've been digging into throughout this series. And I've been challenging you in different ways each week to take like the next steps. Like what does it look like if you're somebody who calls Grace Church Barberton Campus your home, what does it look like for you to take the next steps of commitment, the next steps of involvement? And so you guys have responded really, really well. And it's, it's, it's really encouraging as we get the little connection cards and these other cards in your, in your program to see you wanting to get connected in a deeper way. It's really cool. But I want to say this. I've, I've kind of given this caveat every week as, as we've dug into this stuff. This is a different sort of series than what we normally do here. So in this series, we're very much speaking to the, to the Grace Church family. So if you call Grace Church your home, that's who we're speaking to in this series. We've kind of described it like a, a family conversation, you know. So in, in, as a family, you talk about the future. That's, that's a wise thing to do. And so you imagine sitting around the kitchen table talking about the next couple years of the life of the family. That's kind of what we're doing in this series. Now, if you are a guest, I want to tell you um, this is not typical of what a service would look like or a series would look like, but I think it's going to be very, very helpful for you to hear kind of all of this stuff that we're talking about because it'll give you a good understanding of who we are and why we do the things that we do. Now, if you're part of the family of Grace Church, I'll say it again. I've said this every week. I'm going to challenge you in real clear blunt ways, and today will be no exception, I challenge you in clear ways to take that next step, whatever that looks like for you, to take that next step of commitment and involvement. If you're a guest, just chill out, like just relax, like please don't feel any pressure in any way, um, but I, hopefully this will be a good conversation for you to, um, to get a good understanding of what we're about here at Grace Church. So I thought it would be helpful for me as we wrap up this series to take five minutes, I'll try to stick to that, five minutes and give you a little recap of where we've been over these last few weeks. So three weeks ago, first week of the series, we talked about this idea of belonging. We use this word belong. And we said, if you're a human being, you have a desire to belong. Like there's this innate desire to have deep, intimate relationships, belonging relationships with others. Like it's just, it's part of who we are. And we said the church can uniquely speak to that, that need for belonging that each of us feels. Because the church can say, listen, we understand you have a need for belonging, so do we. There is a relationship, a deep, intimate relationship with the God of the universe that you can have, that you can belong with him, right? Which is, that there's nothing else in this world that can fill that need for belonging, right? And then we said, and as you delve into, as you walk into that, relate, that deep, intimate relationship with the God of the universe, you also then have the potential to have deep, intimate relationships with his people, with the church, right? 
And so in this series, we've said, we've kind of tied all of these things to some of our values. We have eight different values here as a church. And so one of our values is this, we share life together. So we cannot live without honest relationships. We're resolved to figure out how to love God, love each other, and live on mission together. And we mean that, right? Like we want to do everything we can to help you connect with God in deep, intimate relationship, and then connect with each other in deep, intimate relationships, do life together. So we have this mechanism here, the structure here uh, of small groups. We call them grace groups, okay? Just small groups. Some of them meet here at the church. Some of them meet in people's homes. The one that I was talking about that we're starting here in a little over a week is another example of a grace group. And so we challenged you, man, if you're not connected that way with the people of God, check one of these things out. They're not that scary. I know it's hard to go into a new environment where you don't know anybody, things like that. They're not that scary. It's real laid back, right? But it's an opportunity for you to be in deep, intimate relationships with people and share life together with other people. And so we had a goal connected with that. Up through this past year, we had 60, an average of 68 people that were connected to grace groups. And our goal is to raise that by 50%. We're like, man, we got, our church is growing pretty quickly, and the number of people in our small groups actually has not grown. So we're like, man, we need, to, we need to help people take that next step that way. And so I want to encourage you again, if you're not connected that way and you want to be, mark it on your little connection card. We'll do everything we can to follow up and help you get connected to a group that would make sense for you. That's what we talked about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we talked about this idea of serving. And we said that God has wired each of us in unique ways, right? Like you're different from me, I'm different from you. And it's intentional. <clears throat> God made us exactly the way that we are intentionally. There's no mistakes in that. And so we said that there's a value that we have that's connected to this idea as well. And we say we have no spare parts. So sometimes when you buy something, you've got to put it together. They give you spare parts, right? God didn't do that with the church. We have no spare parts. Everyone in the church has an essential part to play. By discovering and developing how we fit into God's storyline, we experience unimaginable super life, supernatural life change in and around us. And so he said, listen, God made each of us different very intentionally, and the differences are actually good things, right? So we compared it to the body. Actually, the Bible compares us to a body. And so the different parts of the body, they're all different. They have different purposes, but they work together for the good of the body right? And sometimes when we look at our differences, we can go, yeah, I am really good at this. I'm a good poet. I'm a good artist. I'm a good athlete. I'm whatever. And that's what makes me special. And we go, no, no, actually, that's not what the Bible says. Like, that's actually, that's more of an immature view of who I am and how I'm wired. The things that I'm good at, my gifts, my skills, my passions, aren't just for me to make me special, but they're actually a way to make other people feel special, right? So I'm blessed by God, not just so that I could be really blessed. I'm blessed by God so that I can be a blessing to other people. And so we talked about that and said, like, where, how, like, how are you wired? How has God made you? How has God blessed you? And how can you use that to be a blessing to other people? Maybe specifically within the church, right? Like, how can you use that? And so I asked the staff, I said, how many people do we have serving regularly right now? And the number that we came up with was 106. We have 106 people, which is great. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people for a campus our size. I said, what would it look like for all of our, to, to like be fully staffed, for all of our teams to be full? Because every single one, like we're making it, but every single one of our teams could use more volunteers, could use more people using their gifts to be a part of them. And the number that we came up with was 173. 
So 173 people is what we, could, what we would love to have. And so we got some potential there. And so I challenged you. I said, like, what would it look like for you to step out and to commit to serve in some way? And when you commit, it doesn't mean like you're committing the rest of your life, you know, every Sunday or Saturday, the rest of your life. It's not that. But what would it look like for you to take the next step that way? And so we want to help you any way that we can to do that. So that's another thing that you could mark on your, on your card, on your connection card. We'd love to help that way. And so then last week, we talked about this idea of praying and going and how God has given us this mission, right? He left us on a mission and how integral, integral prayer is in us accomplishing that mission. And so last week we said, prayer is powerful, right? Like probably a lot of us have heard that before. Maybe some of us have said that before. Prayer is powerful, no doubt. I agree with that. Prayer is powerful because God's powerful, right? Like it's powerful because he's the one who can do these things that we need done. He's the one that can, that can answer our prayers. He's the one that can provide anything. He's the one who can change anything. He's the one who can heal anything. It's about him. And we said prayer is also powerful because it reveals something inside of me. It reveals like my helplessness. It reveals my weakness, right? Which is actually a good thing for us. And so I pray because I need help and I know it. I pray because I'm weak and I know it. I pray because I'm effectively powerless and I know it. And I know the one who's powerful, right? And I trust him. I depend on him with my life. And so we ended our time last week saying, listen, powerful prayer. So prayer is powerful because God's powerful. It's powerful because it reveals like our weaknesses, our need for God. But we said powerful prayer is really the only thing that makes the mission that we're on possible. He left us with a mission to go out and help other people experience who he is. And I want you to feel the weight of this this morning. Like God has specific people in this world that the way that he's going to communicate the gospel to them is through you and through me. Like you are his plan, right? I am his plan. Like we should, we should feel the weight of that. And so if God has these plans to do this, man, we gotta be depending on him to do it, right? Like we don't do it in our own strength. And so we have this value here. All these are connected to a value. We have this value here that really is the driving value of everything that we do at Grace Church. And this is what it is. We live to make Jesus make sense. We're preoccupied with making any necessary sacrifice to make the story of Jesus clear and accessible to anyone seeking after him. And we mean that. Like, that's why we planted a campus in Barberton two years ago. We go, man, we want to help Jesus make sense to people in Barberton that are struggling, that are looking for hope, that are looking for help, that are confused about who Jesus is and what his church should be like, right? And so we live this out in our lives. And so last week I challenged you and I said, what if we got 75 people who would commit to pray 25 minutes a week for the community, the Barberton community, and for our campus, our church? That 25 people who would go, God, we desperately need you. We love this community. We want to see Jesus make sense to more and more people. God, would you help us, right? 75 people who would commit to do that. It's three and a half minutes a day. It ain't that much, right? And yet it is so powerful and necessary for us accomplishing the mission that we're on. And so we said then, what if we had 75 people committing 25 minutes? What if we also had 75 people who would commit to personally connect with 25 
people in Barberton, 25 households, 25 people in Barberton. And that can look a lot of different ways. And we're going to do some training on this. We're going to do a, a sermon series on this here in just a couple months. I'm very excited about it. We have a small team working on some of the logistics that way. So it's not like you commit and then we're like, all right, now go do it. Like we're going to talk about what it looks like to do this in, in not a weird way, you know, to be like the weird people telling me about Jesus when I don't want to hear about it. But we asked you to, to commit to that last week. And we got a good number of people we could use more people. And so I'll say it again. If you're interested in that, all we're doing is recruiting right now. We're just recruiting a, a, a foundation of people who would say, I'm willing to stretch myself. Like I'm, I'm willing to step out. I, want, I know that I'm on a mission and I want to help other people experience the power of the gospel in their lives. And I'll be a part of it with the church. And so I lay down the challenge again, praying and going. If you're interested in that, you can mark that on your connection card again. Okay, so that's, that's where we've been that's a little longer than five minutes, sorry. You get past her talking, and we just start talking, right? Anyway, um, that's where we've been over the last few weeks. I want to set up what we're going to talk about this week this way. I want to read you, I just want to read you some scripture, okay? Because we believe that God's word's powerful, right? And so I want you to just listen and maybe ask God's spirit to speak to your heart in the way that he wants to through all of this. So this will set up what we're going to talk about today. We'll throw it up, all up on the screen. Here it is. This first one is 2 Corinthians 9.11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Luke 12.48. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. This is Luke 6.38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Matthew 5.21 For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 2 Corinthians 8.7 But since you excel in everything, in, in faith, and speech, and knowledge, and complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. How about this one, last one, Mark 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They, gave, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So as we've been talking about, you know, these, these, uh, this, the vision, the next two years of our campus, and we've been talking about these goals that we have, and we've connected each of them to a specific value that we have here at Grace Church, this is, this is the value that our conversation today is going to be connected to. We live to give. We practice joyful generosity. We give our time, resources, and ideas with ridiculous selflessness. 
we live to give. We practice joyful generosity. We give our time, resources, and ideas with ridiculous selflessness. Well, this week, I want to have a, uh, a conversation that we actually have, have never had uh, in our existence, in the first two years of our existence here at Grace Church. I want to talk about uh, giving and generosity. And so up to this point, this is probably good for you to know, up to this point, um, the operating funds that we've used as a campus in the first two years, really first almost three years with all of the planning, the operating funds have come from a combination of our giving, right, the giving of the, all the folks that attend the Barberton campus, and then also the generosity of the Norton campus. And so three years ago, the Norton campus started a financial campaign called the Next Move campaign, and that's what helped fund us to be able to get us started. And so that campaign, the Next Move campaign, is ending here in the next couple weeks. And so we need to talk about this. We need to talk about uh, our finances and kind of where we're at here and I want to say this, if this is your first week, uh, lucky you. You came, on, you, <laughs> you came on the first week that we like, sat and talked about, about giving and, and generosity. But, but you should know this, like, this isn't something that we talk about every week here. You know, it's actually very, very seldom talked about. And it's actually a really great thing for us to be talking about this because we're growing. Like, God has blessed us in lots of different ways uh, and one of those ways is bringing more people to be a part of us. And so as we talk about this, um, you know, it's not like that we're having trouble keeping the doors open and we, you know, need, we need people to give more. That's not, that's not the context of this conversation. In fact, giving this year is up about 10% from last year already. And so we're really grateful for that. God's doing a lot of good things here, but it's wise for us, just like any family, it's wise for us to have a conversation about finances, especially as we're looking forward to the next couple years of our campus. And I make no apologies for that, by the way. I don't think you were looking for an apology, but I don't make an apology anyway, because all of this stuff that we do costs money, right? Like whether we want to admit it or not, whether we like it or not, it all costs money. It costs money to have these lights shine in my eyes. It costs money to have heat in here. It costs money to have chairs. It costs money to have staff. It costs money to have buildings and ministries, right? All of these things cost money. And that's no big deal, right? We don't live extravagantly around here. We don't do church extravagantly. And God's got it covered, right? It's all his anyway. He's been so faithful over the last two years of providing everything that we've needed and more. And so we have a lot of confidence that he'll continue to provide for us. But make no mistake, what we're going to talk about here today is very important for us if we're going to take this vision that we have for these next two years and turn them into reality. This is a very important conversation for us to have. So I want to say this, I have absolutely no intention of making anyone feel guilty or pressured, or manipulated, or uncomfortable, okay? No, that, 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 that ain't how we operate around here, so I have no desire to make you feel any of those things. Supporting our church should never be about, like, fear, driven by fear, or uh, driven by guilt, or even driven by a, a sense of responsibility. Those aren't, those aren't great reasons to give to your church, right? We give because we go, man, I love this church. It's my family, and I love the vision, and I want, to, I want to partner with God to support the vision that we have as a family so that lives are changed forever. And so there's not going to be guilt, there's not going to be pressure or anything like that, but I want to have an open, honest conversation with us of what's ahead. And, and I want to say again, if this is your home, like if Grace Church Barberton Campus is your home, I'll challenge you this week 
to consider the next steps in this area as well. We talked about it with belong, with serve, with praying and going, and we'll talk about it with giving as well, what it looks like for you and me to take the next steps. Now, that looks different in each of our contexts, right? We're all in different places, and that's cool, and that's fine. But each of us that call this campus our home need to consider what our part is, okay? So that's what I'm going to challenge you to today. So when I think about giving, just like giving in general, I think I want to be a generous person. Like just, just me, you know, when I, when I think about myself, maybe, maybe you want to be too. I think I want to be a generous person. I want to take, you know, my, my skills, my, my gifts, my expertise, my time, my resources, my money, all of those things, and I want to be generous with those things. And probably like you, I struggle with selfishness, right? I, I can very, it, it comes very natural to think about myself, right? I can struggle with selfishness, and um, I, I think the natural me is actually a very selfish me. And so this weekend, I want to I share with you what has helped me. As we talk about giving, really we're talking about generosity. Like that's what we're talking about today. And so I want to share with you this weekend what has helped me more than anything else to be a generous person. And when I feel that selfishness like bubbling up inside of me, this mindset that we're going to talk about here in a second is very helpful in me and going, no, 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 no. It's not about me. I want to give my life away generously to others. And so I want to look at a few verses that I think if you take to heart this week, it will, it will transform your understanding of generosity and all of the stuff that we have, all the stuff that we've been given. So um, it's just a few verses. I, I actually don't want you to flip there if you don't mind. I want, cause I'm, I, want, I want you to just throw it up on the screen. If you go ahead and do that. This is Philippians chapter 2, and I'd love for you to just take in what's said here. So this is Paul. Or, forgive me, we're jumping in kind of in the middle of, of a thought of Paul's, but I think it's going to make sense. So Paul's writing to the church of Philippi, and this is what he writes to them. He says, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so you, you may see that passage and read that passage and go, what in the world does that have to do with generosity? Like, it doesn't say anything about giving in there. Um, this is, in my opinion, this is the root and the foundation of a heart, of a genuine heart of generosity within us. And so what's the passage saying? Well, he starts out and he says, have the mind of Jesus, right? It actually says, I, I cut it off here, but it actually says right before this, in your relationships with one another, have the mind of Christ Jesus. In the way that we see each other, the way that we treat people, the way that we love people, have the same thinking, have the same understanding, have the same mind as Jesus. Okay, what's Jesus' mindset? Like, what's Jesus' understanding the way that he sees people? Well, think about it. Jesus had a depth of selfishness and humility and generosity that the world has never seen, right? A, a depth of selflessness, humility, and generosity that has never been, that the world has never seen. And so he's God, right? Like it says this in this passage, he's God, and so he's deserving of all of the things that God deserves, Right? What does God deserve? Well, worship, our praise, 
our awe, our wonder, our respect, right? Those are things that God's des God deserves. And yet, what did Jesus do? Well, he made himself nothing. Like literally, he came from the, the, the confines of heaven and becomes a human being. And not just a human being, but a servant. Serving humankind in the most extreme way possible. He lays down his life for them, for us, right? That's, that's what Jesus' thinking was. That's what his mindset was. The most selfless generosity that there ever was. He's God. He's deserving of all the things that God deserves. And yet he became a servant, serving humankind in the most extreme way possible by giving his life for us. And so he became poor, right? Jesus became poor. He gave his life so that we could become rich, so that we could move from death to life. Like just let your mind think about that for a minute. Isn't that beautiful? Like he gave up everything for us with the most extreme generosity that you could ever imagine. And here's what has changed me and is changing me in my selfishness. Because our all-powerful, righteous, just, amazing, holy God gave us everything, we too can and should give our lives away to others generously, right? Like, that's our reason for living generous lives, for, for giving our lives away to others. He's given us everything. And so I then can go, man, I can be generous with other people too. And so, yeah, I'll say this, here's the point. The more that I understand God's generosity to me, the more generously I can give to others. This is, this is changed, completely changed my view of generosity and giving my life. I love that statement, that thought, like that phrase, giving my life away to others. I don't want life to be about me. It's easy for life to be about me. The more and more that I understand God's generosity to me, the easier it is for me to be generous with other people, right? With my skills, with my expertise, with my passions, with my time, with my resources, with my money. This is the heart of generosity. And so as we talk about giving and generosity, I don't give because of guilt. Like that has no, that has no bearing. I don't give because I feel pressure to give because it's expected of me. It has nothing to do with it. I don't give so that I can get in return. I've heard that at some churches. Makes me want to throw up. Serious. I don't give and expect that God's going to, you know, bless me more. If you give $100, you just wait. God's going to bless you with $200. No, he probably won't, right? Now, there's blessings in other ways, right? Like, it's, there, it's an amazing blessing to us as human beings to generously give to others. But many times it's not financial blessings that we give. That's not the right heart of giving. I give because I've been given to with ridiculous generosity from God, right? That's, that's why I give. One time Jesus taught in this, this context of giving, he, he, did it, he did it in the context of forgiveness, right? Of generously forgiving people. And I want to read this to you. This is, this is a little story. It's, it's, I don't know, 10, 10 verses long. But this this week has been powerful for me in understanding in a little bit deeper way how much God has given us and then the expectations he has for us. This is in Mar uh, Matthew chapter 18. Just take it in. I, want you, I, I just want you to feel this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, 
how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven? Like, how generous should I be with my forgiveness? And he gives a big number. Should I forgive him seven whole times? Right? Jesus says, no, 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 no. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Huge number. We're talking like millions and millions of dollars. Could never pay it back in his lifetime, no matter what. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him, before the king. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. Well, the master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, much smaller amount. He grabbed him, and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back, using almost the exact same words that he just used to the king. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. I, w I was generous with you right? Because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he, until he could pay back everything that he owed. This is how your heavenly father will treat you, each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, that's a story that Jesus told, I think, meant to illustrate how generous God has. You see, you see the similarities there, right? Like how generous God has been with us. With forgiveness is one example of that. How he's generously given us everything that we need. Has made himself poor to provide for us. And so the thinking is, man, if we've been generously given so much, we should be that same way with other people, right? That's the heart of generosity. And guys, I look back at the last two years of our church, of our campus here, and it blows me away. You know, like God has been so generous for us he's given us above and beyond the things that we needed i remember i've shared this a few times i remember three years ago when we were planning this campus sitting down with the norton elders and having the conversation going man i wonder if a campus in barberton this is a different context than any of our other campuses i wonder if a campus in barberton could ever be like really self-sustaining our first year we were self-sustaining our second year we were self-sustaining right now we're going into our third year. All of the stuff that, that we've been, that the Norton campus has given us, we've been able to save it and then do things like buy a building and renovate a building, right? Like God has blessed us in incredible ways as a campus. Lives changed. You see these videos each week that we've been showing of little Becca and others. Lives changed through the power of the gospel. And then I think about my own life and I think about how much God has been so generous with me personally. You know, he sent Jesus for me. He sent him for you too. But he sent him for me. And he rescued me out of the darkness that I was living in. And I was living in darkness, I promise you. And he gave me a new life and he gave me new hope. Like everything that I have. I'm somebody, the passage we read earlier, uh, those that have been given much, much is expected. I'm somebody who's been given much. 
much by God. And everything that I have is through his generosity. God generously providing for me. And I'll tell you what it makes me want to do. It makes me want to live generously and give back to him and to invest in his church and invest in his kingdom. By the way, God doesn't need your money or my money, right? He doesn't need us. He's going to accomplish the purposes, that, the plans that he has in other ways if you and I don't choose to partner with him this way. He'll, he'll still make it happen. He doesn't need us to make it happen. But man, I want to partner with him. You know, like I want to be a part of what he's doing in transforming lives here in Barberton. It's been a, it's been a cool conversation with, with my wife Marcia and I as we've been praying. Of course, we've known about this stuff for a while. And so as we've been praying about what it looks like to our family and, you know, stretching ourselves in, in some different ways. And it gets me so excited. Like, this is exciting stuff to think, to be a part of what God is doing in transforming lives. And it's so rewarding to have a part. Like, we got, we got a tiny little part. Like, it's little, it's minuscule. But it's a part in what God is doing. And that is a privilege. And so with joy and gratitude and trying to be faithful and generous, I'm, I'm, we're trying to do our part. And that's our challenge to you this weekend, is for you to consider what your part is. You know, I, this, isn't, this isn't me begging you for money. Please don't hear that. This is me challenging you to respond to the generosity God has given you by being generous to the movement that he's creating here. If this is your place, if you're still evaluating that, please feel no pressure. And I don't want to manipulate you. I don't want you to, to guilt you or to feel any pressure that way. But if this is like your home, you should be a part of what God's doing. And so that's what I'm going to challenge you to this weekend. So one of the things we talk about here is uh, this idea of being a 4P giving. You ever heard of this? Of being a 4P giver, okay? And so sometimes I think when we talk about giving to the church, we could treat it like going to a movie, right? And so you go to a movie, you, you are entertained for two hours, and it costs you like eight bucks, right? And so then we can look at church, and we go, well, it's about an hour and ten minutes, so I think about five bucks is appropriate, right? Like sometimes we can treat it that way, like I'm paying for services rendered. But that's, like, I don't think that's God's heart in giving, right? I don't think that's his heart in giving. And so we talk about this idea of being a 4P giver. And I'm going to kind of quickly go through this, but if you have questions, I'd love to uh, afterwards be able to help you with this. Go, go to the, there we go. So 4P giving is, is these four things. Uh, I'm prayerful in my giving. You know, so I'm actually, like, talking to God about it and praying about it and listening to him and depending on him, right? Um, it's planned, and so it's not like um, I see the usher starting to walk forward and the basket's getting closer and I'm like, oh man, I, what, do, what do I have in my wallet or what do I have in my purse? It's not that way. It's, it's thoughtful. It's planned out what we're going to give. Um, I'm a believer in giving a percent. So that's what our family does. We choose a percent. So the Bible talks about, the Bible uses a word called a tithe. A tithe means 10%. That's what the word means. And so uh, in the New Testament, giving's a little bit different. It's just really challenged. We're challenged to give generously in the New Testament. But I'm a big believer that like, generously can look different for each of us, right? That you choose a percentage and you, that's what you do. That's what you give. No matter what else goes on in your life, like that's what I choose to give. And so persistent is part of that. Like I, I faithfully choose to do this. 
trusting that God will provide for my needs. Like there's a beautiful element of faith when we choose to give, right? Because we go, I, I'm trusting you, God, that I don't need this personally. I'm investing in what you're doing and I'm trusting you with it. And so that's what we talk about when we talk about giving here. And, um, and here's what I want to do as I, as I wrap up. Um, I want to invite the band. Why don't you guys come on up now? And if you guys wouldn't mind pulling out this little white card in your program, I, I want to just highlight a couple things here. And as, and as clearly and succinctly as I could be, I want to be real open and honest with what we're, what we're facing here over the next couple years. And, uh, and then if you have any questions ask afterwards, please come talk to me. We have nothing to hide here, by the way. So if you have uh, a weird question or whatever, don't feel bad asking it to me. I'm happy to, to do my best to answer. So um, in, your, in your program on this little card, you see this little bar graph here. And so we've talked about each of these each week. And so the last one, give there, you see 300,000 and 375,000. And so here's what, here's what we're facing as a campus. I'll, I'll take over the clicker here, guys. Here's what we're facing as a campus. We have a goal of raising $75,000 a year uh, for our operating funds, for our budget, and the, the funds that, that um, help pay for the budget. And so, um, uh, I'll go this way, this might be helpful. Last year's budget was 345000 almost $346,000. That's the fiscal year that we're in right now, that which ends at the end of June, okay? So of that, the money coming in to support us, 89000 this year is coming in through Next Move. So that's the Norton uh, financial campaign that's ending here in the next couple weeks. So they've given us $89,000 this year to help cover that $346,000 budget, okay? $300,000 is what we're on pace to give this year, which I told you earlier, that's awesome. That's 10% higher than last year. Last year, we were 260-something, upper 260s. So our giving is way up, which is awesome. We're really grateful for that. However, next year's budget is estimated to be uh, $375,000. And so I want to, so this year, 346, so almost a $30,000 increase as we're beginning to plan and look forward to next year's budget. And let me explain the reason for the increase. Budgets often increase each year. That's not abnormal, but let me explain the reason for this. First of all, there's, I mean, I haven't talked about this for a while, but there's a, a piece of property that uh, we've had our eye on for quite some time on the east side of Barberton, right off Austin Drive, which is kind of our target area originally. And so right, right near the school where we had been meeting. And so uh, the seller had become pretty motivated and he had come down to a price that we were willing to pay for that property, which by the way was half of what he was originally asking for. So we look at that and we go, wow, we're really, really grateful for that. And so we have come under agreement with him with that and we've been doing our due diligence on the property. And as we've done that, something has come up that we've said, unless this is taken care of, we will not move forward with purchasing the property, okay? And so right now, the owner is trying to take care of that so we can purchase that property. We'll know in the next month whether that's going to happen or not. If he gets it taken care of, then we feel pretty confident that this is the direction the Lord wants us to go and we're going to buy that property. If it doesn't, then we will not buy that property, we feel like that's the Lord shutting the door for us, okay? And so if we do purchase it, we got to pay for it, right? We don't have enough money in the bank to just outright pay for it. So that's part of the reason that our, our uh, cost will go up next year, our budget. Second reason 
is we have three guys on staff. I love this part of my job. We got three guys on staff that are 22 and below. 22, 21, and 19, right? 19? Oh, he's not here. He's back in the drum kit. 19. And so uh, we love these guys. They are super sharp young leaders, amazing young leaders. And we love getting a chance to help them grow in ministry and get experience in ministry. And they've done an amazing job around here. And we want to keep them here as long as we can keep them here. And so two of them, uh, Josiah and Tyler, are uh, both graduating. And so their internship that they're on right now is ending here at the end of June. So they're graduating and they're also both getting married. And we like them and we want to keep them. And they are integral to the vision, the next two years of this vision, because Josiah does student ministry. He leads our middle school and high school ministry, and Tyler leads our power kid ministry. And you've heard me say lots of times here, kids are incredibly important to us. So we'll sacrifice as adults in order to give more to the kids, to make all of this experience really good for kids. And so those two guys are vital to our mission, to our vision over the next couple of years. And so we want to take both of them and turn them into residents, which is like kind of the next step of what, after an internship here. And so they get a chance to be around a little bit more, but we have to pay them a little bit more as well. And we're glad to do that because they're worth it. And they're also starting families and they got to be able to you know, support that sort of thing. And so that's the other reason for the increase in the, in the budget, that $30,000 increase in the budget next year. And so what that leaves us with is the $75,000. And so that's what we're facing this year. And uh, I, I, I guess what I'm asking is uh, many of you are already giving incredibly generously. I think many of you are going above and beyond, and we are so grateful for that. And then some of you maybe just haven't considered it before or haven't spent time praying through this with the Lord. And all we're asking you to do is pray through it and to consider, is there a greater way that you could help the vision that we're on as we're trying to increase our giving by $75,000? Is there a greater way that you could be a part of that? And if you sit and pray and you feel confident like where we're at is good, like we feel good about that, thank you. Just hear me say thank you. And if you're not there and you're like, man, I've never given to the church before. I don't even know what that's like. That's cool. That's fine. Like, just take the next step, whatever it is. You know, if you've never given, to give 10% of of your income will be like terrible for you, (laughs) right? Don't do that. But go, you know, maybe I'm going to give 3% of what I have. I'm going to do that right now. And as that becomes a little bit easier for me, more of my routine, I'm going to bump it up to 5%, whatever it is. Like, you talk to the Lord about that. We're all different. We're in different situations. 